0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast, where we are going to discuss the FA Cup fifth round defeat against Sheffield United from last night. So another season has gone past, FA Cup dream is dead, Um, Elm Park Royals also here with some cup rotation today, as I am your host, Alex Everson, and I'm joined today by Jordan. Hello. And Matt is also on the line with us. Hi Alex cheers for joining both so just before we look at the game from last night um one thing that i wanted to bring up from from yesterday was just how busy it felt at the medeski stadium and it, it hasn't felt like that for quite a while um it was nice to see what felt like a big crowd i don't actually know what the attendance was announced as yesterday but it just felt like a big game didn't it matt
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, it was even even get, getting to the getting to the ground, you know, walking, walking up the hill towards towards the south stand, walking up, walking up the road. Um it, it it just felt a lot busier than it actually probably was. And it's probably one thing about obviously how used to we've probably got used to, you know, crowds of 12, 13, 14,000. But it was it, it was just nice to have you know a, an attendance of what what we almost used to have it was <laughs> it, it might sound a little sad saying something like that of of going you know reminiscing of days where we had you know average attendance of, of 18 you know 17 18000 but i mean it was just nice to kind of have have that and especially on a week night nothing better than 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 a good atmosphere on a, on a on a tuesday night under the floodlights
2: but
0: it definitely added to the atmosphere as well last night jordan having those extra people in the crowd that we don't normally get for a midweek league game
2: Oh, for sure. And obviously FA Cup games are always a bit special. Fans are always a bit up for it. Chanting was, you know, brilliant last night. Um, you know, non stop really. Um, and it was uh yeah, it was it was something we haven't seen too much of, but was, was brilliant to be a part of, yeah. Yeah, it did seem like we had uh quite a few
0: compliments after from at least online from Sheffield United fans who said that it was one of the first times that they'd seen seen themselves outsung by Reading in the you know Five, six, seven times that they'd been, they hadn't really seen that before, so it was good to see that it was a a different atmosphere potentially to to some of those midweek league games that we've had this season where we've had ten eleven thousand people coming in um so that was that was a pleasant a pleasant thing to see for sure looking at the game yesterday then uh the team news came out Matt seven o'clock unchanged lineup did you expect to see any changes were you happy with that given Sheffield United did make five changes yesterday
1: um I think even though myself and I think quite a few people have been critical of more I did kind of expect him to come straight back in but I was kind of happy that it did stay the same because I, I kind of really want to just see you know the partnership or the back back five partnership kind of stay Stay as 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 it was um, for 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 a good two three games. I think Moore and Morrison definitely deserve, obviously, the chance to you know stay stay in the team. But 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 I think going forwards, you know, Puskas is really coming into form. I was happy. He he, he stayed up top. You know there w- wasn't really too many complaints on any any fronts really. You know it was a it was a it was a good bounce back against Barnsley with this team. There wasn't really a huge need to change it. I didn't think so. Um, see, I was I I was perfectly content with it. I didn't really have any qualms or anything about it
0: obviously kickoff came and a lot of people were still outside probably when uh, sheffield united did end up taking the league jordan um they scored after about 80 85 seconds i think it was goal came from the left hand or well, their left hand side yeardham got doubled up on four defenders sitting in the area for us but um goldrick pretty much found all the space in the world in between morrison and obita and it was a pretty awful start for us
2: yeah it was it was uh it was pretty deflating um you know the first minute of of any game sort of seems to fly by especially when it's a good crowd and it's a good atmosphere so for that to happen so early was um not ideal obviously i think i just turned to my mate and said oh if we can get off to a good start you know first 10 minutes settle in um so yeah not ideal um and and a horrible goal to concede you know um especially if you're playing against a premier league team a very very strong team in in sheffield United the last thing you can be doing is um, giving them three men in the box to, to tap in, really. Um, it's not a goal that our team's going to look back on and, and see too much uh, that we did right, really. Um, can you stop the cross? Probably. Can beater follow his man in the back post? Probably. Um, the only person you can say is kind of blameless in that one is, is Raphael, really. He doesn't really have a chance with it.
0: What did you think of uh, beater's performance overall yesterday? Matt, I mean, there was, there was a few murmurs uh, perhaps on Saturday that he struggled slightly defensively. Um, maybe got away with it on Saturday because we obviously did keep the clean sheet. But uh, yesterday, you could maybe attribute some of the first goal kind of blame towards him. Um, and even possibly the second goal, he does, although he gets doubled up on the second goal, he's he is the one who, I guess, misses the header uh, to blocked that second goal so overall what did you think of a beater yesterday
1: um it was he struggled you know you can't really make any make any two ways about it really he really did struggle um and he kind of looked almost on his knees after 70 minutes um he looked he looked tired which to be fair he's he's played he's played well, he seems to have you know, he played quite a bit of football since 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 he's come back. Um, but he, he he looked he looked tired, um, and it, it, it just seemed like a tired performance. He was struggling to obviously keep, keep his man. Um, it was always going to have a tough time, obviously um, uh, down down on the left. But um, but but yeah, like I, I I didn't kind of think he had a terrible game at the weekend. But a, a lot of his um, obviously defensive mishaps that he did make, he was able to recover from, which I think you kind of saw yesterday against a better team than Barnsley, you know, it was going to get shown up and I feel like that did get shown up on um did get shown up last night. Um He didn't really get away with any of his mistakes, you know, not tracking his man in, in for the goal. Um It was pretty, it's, without, without trying to hammer him, it, it was pretty awful really because, he, you know, M- Morrison had it, had had his man, you, you know, you see, you see, um, McGoldrick drifting forwards towards Morrison and you kind of start thinking that that Morrison should start picking him up but you can't really expect him to pick him up when he's got a man in front of him and a beater should be tracking him forwards um so unless beater a beater gave him the call which he obviously didn't because Morrison didn't even look round you know it, it's it was just and it 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 was it was just a bit of his trait of the game last night he just he just looked tired he looked lethargic um, i wouldn't be surprised if he if he didn't play at the weekend to be fair, just 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 to give him a game off, but,
0: but yeah, if he doesn't play at the weekend, um, presumably I would see you'd see Richards come back into the side because I think Black is still injured currently, um, and I know we've got three left backs who are all probably Championship standard currently at the club, but uh, we would all put Yedem ahead of those three in the side currently. I think. Um so. do you think the left back's gonna end up being a transfer target for us in summer, Jordan?
2: I think it's gonna be a really interesting one to watch. Um I think whilst there's not been any confirmation, it certainly sounds like Blackett's gonna be moving on, whether he's potentially already signed a pre-contract somewhere is you know has been reported a lot. Um I think we're unlikely to to see him sign on. Um and almost for that reason I I'd personally not try to give him too much game time between the end of the season if it, if it doesn't feel like he's going to stay. A beat is a really interesting one in that, um, you know, I think every Reading fan has has been delighted to see him come back from this injury and, and play a fair amount of game time and hit his own personal milestones, which we have got to remember in terms of, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he, he played the first two games in a week for the first time in, you know, however it's been two and a bit years, you know, this will have been his first extra time in a long, long time. So, You know personally he's done remarkable um in the sort of the cold world of football i'm not sure i've seen enough to warrant signing him on to another contract personally um i wouldn't hate him getting a good run in the team now I, i do think i agree i think he's been a bit of a weak link the last couple of games but i wouldn't be adverse to him having these next 10 games to basically try and win a new contract um and then you have Omar Richards, who I'm I'm actually a really big fan of, um, and I would be happy to see a start next season with Omar Richards as our first choice left back. I do think given his age, given his, his relative inexperience, we would need to bring in a left back to go and compete with him, not to just be an understudy. Um, but ideally, yeah, you bring in someone that he can compete with rather than just still on the bench because he's at an age where he's still, he still needs to go play. He can't go be third choice, second choice for another whole season, Richards. Um, But it's going to be an interesting one to watch to see what we do, really. Definitely will be an interesting one because three,
0: three left-backs do not go into one left-back spot. So one to watch over summer, for sure. Um, moving on from that dreadful start that we did have, we did come back into the game slowly. Matey had a chance. I think it was about 10 minutes in from 25, 30 yards, hit it on his left foot. Pretty good shot from 25, 30 yards out. Henderson looks like he gets a touch onto it, flicks it onto the bar, potentially looking at the replay. Matey had a pretty good game yesterday overall, Jordan. Um, he won a lot in the air and generally seemed to be kind of our outlet.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think he, he had a really interesting game as well. In that, I think we've seen a lot over the last couple of weeks... Um, uh, you know, a clear plan to have him drift infield to, to sort of go and play as a striker, which we've known he's in, we've seen him play a lot of anyway. Um, you know, he starts out on the right and he drifts in usually quite early. Against um, Sheffield United, he, he hugged the touchline a lot, lot more, um, probably because we needed that outlet and because we needed him to, you know, really pin their, their wing back as deep as possible. Um, and I think he largely had a good game, you know, it gets a lot of stick, you know, rightly so for, you know, is generally poor technique um, and his pretty poor passing um, accuracy. But um, I thought he had a, a good game. He always looked a threat. He generally took the ball in quite well, held it up well, laid it off fairly well. And we know that any time he gets within 20, 25 yards on his left foot cutting in, he's going to have a go. They don't always fly in. We have seen one fly in earlier this season, but um, it was a brilliant effort, and we know he's got you know a real hammer of a left foot, yeah, he's definitely
0: got it in his locker to be able to uh to pull it out Go man
1: and no i think I, I think it's an interesting one about may because obviously no like if if you were to ask a reading fan though at the moment what his best position is, you can't really you can't pin him down to a position at the moment, I don't think as well because like. Obviously, I think he's always wanted to play striker, but with with the likes of Puskas, Zhao, Bulldog, can he get in up front over them? Probably not. With the need to have a winger, it's almost his best chance to get in the game. And 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 I think definitely, obviously, over the Christmas period, he he did a very good job out wide. Um like 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 you say, his 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 crossing sometimes is very subject. Um, his his passing is again very subject, and his technique can be. Awful at times, but but I mean, I think if if if, if he can string more performances like like last night, uh, like I I liken last night's performance very much to when we played Fulham away because he was very very good that day um, and and ra- ran the channel incredibly well, won a lot in the air. Um, but 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 I think if he can start to replicating these performances out wide, he might finally find his find his position almost and his best role within within the Reading team. Because I think having him out wide gives a good dynamic to have a you know, a guy as big and strong as Maytay is, you know, to have him out wide, it's a really interesting um avenue to really have, especially going forward. So
0: And one thing that obviously with Maite out wide is that he does provide some defensive cover now for the uh for, mm. for Yeardon, which is vital, I think, because we don't we don't always have that if Yeardim goes forwards, you do need someone who will at least try and cover Yehdom. And I think Having Maysay there, he does at least track back and try and offer that cover. And uh speaking of the defensive cover, we didn't really offer uh Sheffield United much in the first half. They they were pretty well contained, and uh, I think they had a shot from outside the area, maybe a header from a corner, but apart from that, there wasn't really much much in the way of many chances for them. Coming up to half time, we did manage to get the equalizer, push guess penalty which is, uh, I think it's his fourth goal in fifth games. Pushkas didn't win the penalty, though. Rinomoto managed to win the penalty from a push in the area from, was it Basham, I think? One of you two will probably know this, I would hope.
2: One of Basham or Baldock, wasn't it? Because it was Bushman. coming into that, that I think right it was Baldock,
0: actually, yeah. Was, okay, yeah. so, yeah. Baldock, Baldock puts his hand into Rinomoto's back after a really good cross from the right-hand side from uh, Michael Elise which was a cross that we tried a few times during the match, but it was generally Meite who was running onto the end of them. Um, they didn't work the rest of the game, but that one time we did actually manage to win the penalty. Matt, did you think the penalty was a little bit soft?
1: Um, it's it's one of those difficult ones, because I think if I was a Sheffield United fan, and I think if if, if a Reading fan... Or if 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 a Reading player did this, I would just think, why on earth are you doing what what Bulldog did? Because he, he puts two hands but first and foremost, he puts two hands in the back of Renemota. And as soon as you do that, whether whether you start obviously no matter how much force you put on them, it, it's it gives A the player a chance to go down and b a decision for the referee to make. It's very similar, I think in the in the Premier League a couple of couple of weeks ago when United played Chelsea, um, Chelsea had a goal ruled out for pretty much exactly the same. I think it was on Fred that time. And you just think as, as if, if if that happened for, for for Reading and, you know, we conceded a penalty like that, I'd just be pulling my hair out. So I think it's 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 one that you might look at as soft but you can't you can't really argue it. You know, you can't really say, oh it shouldn't have been a penalty. Well because he's got two hands in his back, you know, it's like it's it's just I, I think it's more it's more stupid defending, really, than than a, like, like a blatant referee mistake or a soft penalty. That's how I see it, anyway. Jordan,
0: soft penalty or just pretty, pretty easy call?
2: Uh, I think I agree. It's, it's one of those where you, it's a classic phrase, but, you know, you've given the referee a decision to make. Um, I think not that any footballer really thinks about this in the, the heat of the moment. But it, if they look back on that and they think how's to going to pluck that ball out of the air and then finish from there? It, it would be a really, really good goal if he'd have scored it. Um, as it happens, you know, the wing back gets too tight. He puts a bit of pressure on him. He has his hands up. Um, whether Rinomoto really gets a push or what, it almost doesn't matter because you've, you've given the referee the opportunity to, uh, to make a choice there. And I think more often than not, they, those ones get given. As soon as you get your hands up in the box, um, you know, they tend to go that way.
0: I'd probably agree with you both. I think it's uh one of those ones where you give the referee the choice and you've gone down in the area after you've been touched. Likely the referee is gonna side with the with the attacking team. Um just before we move on to the actual penalty, what did either of you think of Kevin Friend's performance? Uh he he kind of got slated after the game, despite the fact that we got a inadvertent comments soft penalty um his decision making after that was questionable at best i would say john
2: yeah yeah i would agree i think it's it's always hard um to to talk objectively about this when um you know i haven't, I haven't watched the game back it's still very fresh it's still very raw a lot of my thoughts on him on, on the decisions were <laughs> very much in the heat of the, the heat of the game but um there was a lot of frustration and you could feel it in the stands. You could, you could feel it yourself watching it. Um, that, um, not a lot felt like it went our way. Um, just little things. Um, you know, I don't think there were a huge amount of, you know, major incidents that were really terrible decisions, but it did feel like a lot of the little inconsistencies sort of crept in where, you know, they might win a free kick for one thing and the same thing happens and and we don't or um, you know not even not even necessarily bias but you know a yellow card gets given for one incident and a very similar incident happens the next minute and very you know you you get a different result i mean i think that's that's the big takeaway with with refs and obviously they've got a difficult job to do um but it's it's about consistency you know if they're consistently bad then that's that's one thing. But at least if they're making the same choices for every decision, that's what you hope for. And and that's the big frustration is when you see similar situations, <laughs> similar um, areas of the pitch, and and situations and uh, speed and and where it happens and who who it involves, and you see different results. Um, that's that's the big frustration um, when you're sat there watching the game, and that that
0: Yellow card in the start of the second half, Matt was a classic, classic yellow card of a bad referee who's decided not to book anybody in the first half, and as soon yeah. as it's about the second half, books him straight away because he wants to just make sure that nothing gets out of hand.
1: A hundred percent, and and the way the way I looked at it after the game, it was just almost your classic Premier League ref refereeing a cup game between a Premier League team and and a lower tier. Um, and a lower tier team, you know, you hear people say it over and over again, but 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 it was like it was it was pretty much like every every fifty fifty decision that Sheffield United would go down with, they'd win. Every 50-50 decision we'd go down with, it just waved away. And it was like like it, like, like John said, it wasn't it wasn't countless big howlers that he made because he didn't really make any massive howlers. You know, there wasn't really any you know big decision you can look at and just say that was that was shocking how he didn't see that, but it was just, it, it was just all the little niggly tackles that Sheffield United would put in and, 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 you know, they weren't, they wouldn't get penalized for it. But then when, as soon as we did it, it it's, it, it couldn't blow up quick enough, it seemed. And that, that was the main thing that I, I, and I think I and pretty much all the other fans were getting annoyed with because it was just all the little niggly, you know, little tackles. He, he, he'd he let nothing go. Um, when we were doing it, but then seemed to you know let everything go when they were trying to bring us down and just all the little trips and everything. It was just, just so frustrating that.
0: Consistently inconsistent, I believe yeah. the term for is there, Matt. Definitely. <laughs> um, one, one person who is not inconsistent, though, is George Pushkas from the penalty spot. Uh, his penalty taking record now, I think, is three from three for Reading, maybe four from four. Someone would have to tweet us and just. Tell us. I um, feeling.
1: All, I think it's definitely four from four, if not five from five, because he got one in the cup as well against Wickham. Oh, in well, penalty out.
0: it's very keeping good. That, keeping that hundred percent record. It was a very good penalty, though. Anyway, Jordan was not it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's such a nice feeling as a fan to have a penalty taker that you have so much faith in, faith in their technique, in their technique, in their finishing, in their sort of composure. Because, um, you know, we've not always had that. You know, we've had, um, you know, good penalty takers before. And we've had very, very good penalty takers before. And we've had that bizarre season where we, even when we missed them, we ended up scoring them from the rebounds. But um, to have a have a guy step up and, you know, even in a big game like that, even against, you know, a, a keeper that people are touting for, for an England call-up you just have faith in him to score it and he slotted it brilliantly um keep you know keeper had no chance with it really yeah i mean i was saying
0: i was saying the same to my brother as push gas was coming up to take the penalty he was saying oh he's gonna sky it. he's gonna sky and i said nope he's putting it in the bottom corner definitely going in 100 percent." didn't let me down thankfully that would have been that would have been bad
1: With the, um I, I saw a tweet um i think it was after the game as well um uh, actually, I think it might have been, I think it was Dave Stevens that put it up. Um, it it uh, saying that you know is Puskas the best technique penalty taker we've we've seen at Reading in years, and it, uh, well, he's unquestionably the best in years. I, like until you start going back to probably even the likes of Ian Hart, it, it, Nick Black, the what? forgotten <laughs> man. For oh yeah, yeah, we actually <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I like I did see his name um, name mentioned, but I think for for the for the half season that 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 he rose up, I'm I'm not sure we can quite maybe put put him in that bracket. <laughs> it was good for the half season, but 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 it's like like, like you say it's, you don't think he's going to miss now? And one thing I was really concerned about was that when when obviously he went over to get the ball, Matei rushed over, and 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 and, and like, I was just I just started thinking, no, Matei, do not take it off Puskas, please. Not just because of my love for Puskas is completely. Um, un un like un undeniable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but but, but I, like I was just thinking that, like 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 you say when Puskas now steps up for a penalty, he he breeds confidence, and this is now you, you know he's playing better on the pitch. He's he, he's converting you know his chances. He's scoring really good penalties now. You just don't think. You're not expecting him to miss now when, when when he's stepping up even for penalties and stuff. And I think the guy next to me, um, uh, I was saying, oh, he's he's missed, he's missed, he's missed. And but I never, I never felt worried. I never felt concerned. I never thought he was going to miss. And it, like like John said, he he couldn't have tucked it away better. It was it was powerful. It was right in the corner. If the keeper saves that, then you just got to hold your hands up and say, well done to them. But it was a it was a fantastic penalty.
0: And it came at the perfect time as well, just for half time got Reading right back into the game. And uh, it kind of set us up very nicely for a second half, which I feel like we probably had the better off. We didn't create very much in the second half. Sheffield United didn't create much in the second half. All in all, it was a pretty quiet second half, uh, despite the fact that it was an FA Cup tie. The only real chance of the second half came about midway through, I think it was. For Andy Runemota, um, who picked the ball up on the edge of the area uh, after a after a uh, after a clearance, tried to keep it up, knocked it over the top of one Sheffield United defender who was on the floor, and then tried to volley it with his left foot. And it, I mean, if he'd scored, it would have been an incredible goal. Um, unfortunately, it was about a yard wide, I think, so that was not didn't quite end the way we wanted it to, but. It, that was probably the only real chance of the second half, Jordan. It was a very quiet second half, considering both teams were both teams were probably looking to try and just get the game over in ninety minutes.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think despite the lack of chances, it was one that I felt um, we were more in control of than they were. I think Shefford Wednesday at times, um, Shefford United. They won't be happy to hear that um Shefford united had uh, kept the ball brilliantly at times especially in that first half but it did feel like they were always vaguely at arm's length and it did sort of feel like they were lulling themselves into a bit of a you know oh we'll just keep the ball you know this is a championship team we'll we'll keep it we'll, we'll knock it about eventually the goal will come and and, and it never did and and then obviously we got the equaliser, In that whole second half, I felt we were the ones that were were pushing for it. We were more aggressive than them. We were uh, more ambitious than them. Even though it didn't create a huge amount, um, you know, there weren't a huge amount of shots, but there were a lot of you know really good situations and, and and times where we had the ball, you know, deep in their half, and we we kept it, and we were constantly probing and trying, and you know had a couple of little crosses in that didn't quite land, and we had a couple of corners that didn't quite land. But, um, you know, it felt like if, if any team was going to score, it was going to be us, even though we weren't, you know, banging their door down. So I think it was... And that in itself is a confidence booster against... Again, you know, we have to caveat this all with, this is a good Sheffield United team. They didn't make that many changes and they're having a phenomenal season. So to put in a second-half performance like that and have that much control and that much, you know, intent without the chances, I think is something we can, we can take a lot of heart from.
0: And I feel like one... One of the reasons that we did control the game so much in that second half was because of our central midfield pairing of of Ritter-Motor and, Ritter-Motor and 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 uh, John Swift and Swift Matt yesterday was was fantastic. He he bossed that midfield completely.
1: Yeah, well, I think everyone's seen all the praise that Swift has come in from after yesterday's game um is it's completely it's completely justified. You know, he, he had an absolutely fantastic game. Like you say, he he, he ran the show and he, he's becoming almost the player that I think everyone, you know, knew that he could kind of be and kind of a little bit more because one thing that seems to really be developing and developing at some speed under Bowen, it might be obviously the maybe the role Bowen's trying to make him play, or maybe it's the coaching, or e- either way, Bowen is doing a fantastic way of managing him, and that's his defensive ability. His defensive ability is so so much better. You know, it's 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 like looking back. You know, eight eight 10, 12 months, you'd never expect him to win a shoulder to shoulder battle. You know, he he was he was weak trying to come back you know he couldn't he couldn't make a tackle to save his life quite frankly <laughs> you know it was almost like watching paul Scholes trying to tackle someone watching swift trying to yeah. tackle someone <laughs> like he'd come bowling in and he'd get more of the guy's ankle than being close to the ball like and but it, it, his defensive ability is getting so much better and i do kind of think it is kind of because bowen is obviously making him adopt almost this um uh, this pivot role behind a flat midfield four almost but he's he's adopting it incredibly well. So a lot of credit has to go to Swift on it, but also a lot for Bowen and his coaching team, really, for what they're doing to him and obviously how they're helping him evolve,
0: really. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree about, about Swift playing in that pivot role. He seems to have found a position where he's just way more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to see Swift behind the striker anymore, I don't think. I think you've, yeah. you've seen him play in that pivot role now. and I think he's he just looks so much, much more affected that's
1: the main thing i think he's just so much more affected he 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 like like, say, like we've said he can control a game there and we all knew he could do that and like we all thought that i think he needed to do that behind the striker because we needed that impetus when we were in the final third. But I think when he's sat back there, now we've got you know the creativity of people like Ajar. Or when he when he's on his day, the creativity of Ajaria in front of him. It kind of takes the pressure off Swift going forwards a little bit. Obviously Swift still has you know that box to box ability of and freedom to push forwards. But I mean his range of passing from the middle of the park, you know, spraying it out right, spraying it out left, cross field balls. Diagonal balls, you, you know, it's 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 almost the perfect role for him. And you kind of feel when he played a bit further forward, he's was almost wasted there.
0: On the mention of Ajaria though, yesterday, although we did see a couple of his trademark turns and flicks, Jordan, probably not one of his most effective games.
2: No, um, the uh, the flick he did have was amazing. Um, I, I was losing my mind in the stands, but um, and he is. He is, is the most like, giftable footballer that I've ever seen, mm. uh, and he is—you know, hes a—he's a, he's a talent. He's probably having um, a bit of a week, month, or so six weeks, maybe—and um, I think, I think we as all as fans, you know, expect so much because we've seen him put in these phenomenal displays. Um, I think there's there's a little bit of a of a growing. Uh, you know okay i'll speak for myself rather than for the fan base but i think personally i think there's a a growing feeling that um he maybe needs to pick and choose his moments a little bit better um i i want to see and this will come with game time it'll come with age i'm sure i i want to see a ruthlessness to him i want to see a killer instinct to him because we know that he can beat people at will um But maybe too often he slows the game down a bit too much sometimes in the wrong areas. There's a huge benefit to doing that because, um, you know, when he's deeper, it draws people across. The thing about Ajari is that anytime he picks up the ball, you've got three men running at him to try and take it off him. And most of the time he keeps it. And most of the time he can flick it off. And then that creates space for everybody else. There is benefit to him slowing the game down sometimes. But when he gets in and around the box, I don't want him to slow it down too much because the amount of times i've seen us break with a jaria and you know we may be running against three defenders and then by the time he's laid the ball off we're defending you know this sort of six men back because he's a little bit too slow so that that will come in time but um with more game time, but um, yeah, maybe not his his greatest performance. But um, you know, he, I think he's a man of moments rather than a man who's gonna who's gonna run a game. And if we get enough of those moments and enough games, then you know we've got a real good player on our hands.
1: I do think one of the main things that I think everyone has to remember—you did touch on touch on it, John—is his age. He is still super super young, and I think even though he is getting hot and cold at the moment, we over the last month we've probably seen more of his. Uh, or what what we could probably call the Rangers Ajaria, you know, when he had his loan spell at Rangers, where he was just incredibly frustrating. We've seen a bit more of that over the last month. But I think, like I say, with, with time, with, with with game time, with age, I think, you know, it's almost like someone someone you've got to almost nurture through. And I think, was he 20, is he 21, 22? You know, I kind of feel like he's having almost the season that someone like Eze had last year. Where he blew very hot and cold, and you can see the talent there. You can see you can see what he's got. You know, we're just waiting for him to, you know, like like say, start picking and choosing, get the ruthlessness about it. Stop trying to, you know, beat be ev every man ten times before passing a ball off and trying to, you know, have 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 a goal every game of seemingly taking on and beating fifteen players that he seems to always want to try and do. But um, but no, yeah, I think what, what once. Once he starts, obviously, getting more experience and, and 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 develops a bit more, you know, you can say that he's he's going to be quality. You know, there's there's I think there's no doubts about that. You know, we just have to nurture him in the right way and get through games like last night and Bar- um, and um, Wigan last week and you know almost take the rough with take the rough with the green with him and just help help nurture him through the these these first year or two and um, move forward from there.
2: And it's a trade-off because we don't want to take the fun out of his game because it's oh, obviously yeah. it's obviously yeah. part of him. And I think it is, like you say, it's worth bearing in mind that like the Ajaria we saw tail end of last season was fun and exciting, and the step up he's made this year has been good, solid. Um, you know, he's he's consistently um, you know affecting games, not always as much as we'd like, but he is involved. You know. The stats to have him as, you know, one of the best dribblers in the league, we can tell that he's like super press resistant. He obviously adds a lot to the team. So he's already had a step up from those six months we saw last year. And the fact that he's, you know, all being well, going to be here next year, we should see hopefully another step up. Um, and, and, and hopefully to that player that that starts having, um, you know, maybe a little bit more end product, maybe a bit more of a tangible um effect on 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 goals rather than just maybe just build up but um yeah no i think i don't think we have to be too worried like you say
0: and well, i think it's worth bearing in mind for everybody out there who is a little worried about ajari's form this is his first full season at a club yeah. he's never played more than 15 games in a season before this is the first time he's i think he's played 32 33 games this season now for reading before this season he hadn't played any more than 15 so it's worth bearing in, be, bearing in mind that perhaps a long season is it's his first time he's really played through a whole season of football week in and week out and you're going to end up having this inconsistency with players as they're still developing and got to just uh, bear with him I guess as you say both of you and uh, hopefully next season we see that second step from him up to a league leader in terms of goal effectiveness as well, not just uh, build-up play. So going back to yesterday's game, we did hit extra time at 1-1. Um, the first half of extra time, again, Rhinomota had his chance, as, as we've discussed, but uh, Sheffield United did it re and end up retaking the lead in injury time of the first half of extra time. This goal for me was, again, a piece of just, Poor defending. I I think the the ball gets cleared out to the edge of the area. It gets picked back up by uh, by the Sheffield United number eight, whose name is Lundstrom. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Rinamo kind of pulls out of the challenge because he doesn't want to take him down for a penalty. Yedder misses the block for the for the go, uh, for the cross. A beat has been doubled up on by Basham and Billy Sharp at the back post and. Morrison and Pelé are both in the area, but not really near any Sheffield United players. And it's a pretty easy header for Billy Sharp from six yards out. Um, and there's a there's a there's potentially a discussion around whether the ref missed a free kick against Pushgas with John Egan, who was practically climbing over Pushgas for about two hours last night, it felt like. Um, I, I'm not going to go too much into that because we have discussed how niggly the referee was last night and how much he did miss but matt the concentration issue bore its head again or do you think this was just kind of one of those things where sheffield united just ended up like with the one chance and managed to uh managed to put it away
1: um well i kind of one part of me kind of thinks that chris wilder being the the almost fantastic manager that that, that he is kind of almost would have noticed Obita hanging back at the back post and kind of m- m- might have you know told you know players to start exploiting that because because Sheffield Sheffield's main main threat came came from from the wings all all game they barely did anything through the centre it it all went through the wing backs down the side and and was all crosses into the box and obviously seeing something like Obita or his um, laps in concentration in the first half. Obviously, sticking at the back post, not tracking forwards. It was almost a perfect, almost thing for for Chris Wilder to start start say or, or or saying to Billy Sharp when he came on. Look, make make sure we double up Obita at the back post because if you have um uh, one, one of the sentiments that always like to you know come forward into the box like Sheffield United players do, if we can have a two on one at the back post, you know Obita's going to track track the first man and you are going to have a free header. You know, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Wilder to almost, uh, almost orchestrated that with with um, Billy Sharp when he came on. Maybe I'm thinking a bit too extravagantly, but but like I think uh, like that I really wouldn't have been surprised. And it, it's it's a hard one really for for Obita because he's he's damned if he does damned if he doesn't. You know he's got he's got to track the guy in front of him because uh, you know he let he let a guy go in front of him earlier in the game. And, you know, again, Morrison's got someone in front of him, so he, he can't really not track track him. You know, it, it almost fell on Pele's shoulders because he didn't, you know, track the guy into the box. But then again, if Pele starts coming into the back four, you don't really want your midfielder impeding your back four, really. So it, it, it was almost just like a... I wouldn't say a catalogue of errors, but it was almost just... almost a perfect storm for Sheffield United at the back post. It was the perfect situation for them to have, and it was a you know perfect cross, and it was just one of those things that I think if it was tactical from from Wilder, which I I kind of think it could have been, to double up on the back post, it's a fantastic piece of tactics first and foremost by Wilder. But you know it was just a, and I, I think we saw it all night. Obviously Sheffield Sheffield United's quality, uh, like I do, just kind of think that it kind of shone through in the end, really. You know, and you really saw why they're what they seventh or so in 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 the Premier League. You really see that with moments like that and the way how they controlled the game in the midfield and everything so
0: and yeah you did mention it 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 felt like a perfect storm Um, and this is something that we discussed before the start of the podcast whereas it's it's very difficult Jordan to lay blame there on any one player it's just um, not a lot of moments kind of a butterfly effect almost for that goal where one thing has led to another which has led to another and it was very difficult to stop them scoring there.
2: Yeah, and like I think, whilst this is not the um, you know picture book Sheffield United goal, um, you, you, we do have to bear in mind that like such a key part of their attacking play is drawing people out of positions. You know, whether it's the centre backs getting involved, whether it's the centre mids pulling out wide, and and the wing backs pulling in field. You know, they draw people out all over the place and yes this came from you know a a headed cross that we didn't quite get to and and bits and pieces like that you know as a result of an attack our defense was a little bit all at sea you know we had quite a lot of people drawn over to to the to the right hand side to where the cross ended up coming from we had a lot less people out on the left hand side where the goal ended up being scored you know this is just part and parcel of of what Sheffield United do to teams. And, you know, again, this I don't think this one came necessarily like straight off the craning ground in terms of, you know, the most beautiful goals they've scored um, because it did come from a breakdown. But you've got um, you've got overloads all over the pitch and that's what they do. And, you know, we're talking about Basham making a run and a beat to track him. That's the right side centre back in the box. So, you know, this is what they do. This is what they do to teams. They've done it to a lot better teams than us this season. And whilst I don't think you can... I think we will be able to pick faults at at the goal from a defensive point of view, of course, that you can do with almost any goal because it's not, you know, an absolute wonder goal. But, um, you know, Sheffield United, when they attack, they leave teams disorganized. um, And that's what's happened to us. And it didn't happen to us very much. We dealt with it brilliantly almost for the entirety of the game, except for probably two moments. And when you're up against good teams, it only gives them two moments and they'll score two goals. And that's just kind of like um you know you gotta you gotta take the knock and you gotta learn from it and you gotta try and bet yourself to those sort of levels and i think that's kind of what we've we've got to take from from the goal really and from the match
0: and as you say they only needed two moments and two goals was all they needed game finished 2-1 in the end that second half of extra time it, it seemed to go by very quickly uh personally we had a couple of chances Pele had two chances in the se- in the second half of extra time both from outside the box, one which Henderson made a save, which looked like it potentially was going just wide. Um, He made a save, which we won a corner from, which nothing came from. And then there was a shot very late on, maybe with 60 seconds to go, potentially, which went just wide of the, uh, of Henderson's right-hand post. Um, Although I did read that that was, yeah, potentially going to be called for offside. I'm not sure who against though, Uh, but Either way, we didn't manage to break Sheffield United down that second time, unfortunately, and have now been knocked out of the FA Cup for another season. So one more question for you both is, do you feel like now we've seen Mark Bowen play that two two matches, or last two matches now with an unchanged team, and he got through the first 90 minutes yesterday without making a sub, do you feel like we now know our strongest side that we're going to lead into our last nine league games with, or do you feel like there'll be rotation and system changes while we experiment for the last nine games? Uh, Jordan, what do you, what do you reckon?
2: Uh, I think we've, we've found, you know, 90% of our strongest team, um, I think there are potential for a couple of tweaks, you know, maybe more comes back in. maybe we do something different with the left back. I think there's, there's, there's a case for maybe doing that. Um, I think maybe a more interesting, uh, way to take it for the last nine is, is do we play our strongest team for the last nine games? Because obviously we know that the season's effectively over in the league. Um, we're not going to get relegated. We want to push as high up in the table as possible. Bowen said that he wants to finish top half. We all do. Um, so, whilst I think the team that went out last night is is pretty much our strongest team, and is a, and a lot of that team I want to see play a lot of the rest of the games, um, but you do wonder whether people like Masika is going to get a little bit of game time to see whether he's going to get this move made permanent. You do wonder whether Araruna is going to get a bit of game time to to try and bed in a bit more. You do wonder whether Lucas Zhao is going to get some game time when he comes back from injury, even though Pushkas is, is playing really well at the moment. Um, I, if this is, uh I would feel very confident that if Mark Bowen had another cup final next weekend, he'd be playing the same team pretty much with everybody still fit, I would imagine. Um, so I think we finally, we finally settled on a formation that I want to see for the rest of the season personally, because I haven't been too much of a fan of a lot of the other ones we've tried. Um, and a, a general setup. If we can play Swift deep for the rest of the season, I'll be delighted. If we can play Elise in general, anywhere for the rest of the season, I'll be delighted. Um, you know, question marks over left back, question marks over centre back. But I think the 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 core building blocks of our of our best team is is the one that was out there last night. Yeah, for sure.
0: I think I'd agree with you. It's eighty five percent, ninety percent of the way there. Matt, do you stick, do you twist going into Birmingham on Saturday then?
1: Um, I'd probably stick stick with it. Um, I don't think there's a need to change the back four at the moment, you know, more as club captain. But like, I, like I've said a couple of times, you know, I, 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 like, I don't really see the need to bring him back in. There's there's no real need to upset the apple cart, you know, just to accommodate a player, which I think we, we do sometimes seem to do. But I don't. I don't get the feeling that Bowen is going to... Do, maybe he will drop out Miazga because obviously he's now played a full 90 minutes and 120 minutes, you know, as his first two games back after, what was it, six months out? No, not six months, sorry, six weeks out. Um, which, which, you know, I could maybe see Bowen bringing more back in just to give Miazga a bit of a rest. But like, in, in in an ideal world, I'd keep it all the same and completely agree with what you guys say. You know, we I think we've got the core of the team you know, there now. And I think, I definitely think under Bowen, our best play has come when we've played a 4-1, one formation, you know, with Swift or whoever it is sitting deep, having the flat four in front of him and then the striker in front of him. I think the main, I think the main decision point is going to come when Lucas Zhao comes back, because then what do you do with Lucas Zhao? What do you do with Puskas? I think with what Puskas is doing now, you can't really drop him. But with what Zhao showed earlier in the season, you can't really leave him out of the team. So whether we go to a four-four-two, a four a four-four-two diamond or something maybe if either a flat four four two or four four two diamond. Whether we go trans try and transition back to a back three, I think when Zhao comes back, I think we're gonna see these questions arise again. But I like I know a lot of fans liked what Zhao did earlier in the season and especially over the new year's period but i think right now i wouldn't be i wouldn't be disappointed if this was our finishing 11 at the end of the season i'd, I'd kind of put it that way like i wouldn't be disappointed if you know jao was used pretty much as he was at sheffield wednesday as an impact player as a plan b an option because i think right now we've got a settled we've got a settled starting lineup and it's upsetting the apple cart again. Do you, you know, you bring a player back to accommodate someone else? Which I like. I just I I think at the moment I don't see any need to change things.
0: I think that's an interesting one about Zhao. We will uh, we'll take that one to social media. See what the uh, general public have to say. <laughs> Zhao in or Zhao out? Once he's back, I think he's got about a month left for his injury, so he might get three or four games at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll see what see what people think. Uh, That's about it from us today. Uh, We will be back after the weekend's game against Birmingham. We will be looking back again at that game at St. Andrews this weekend. We should be back on Sunday with a podcast. Paul will, fingers crossed, be back to be hosting that one. And until then, cheers, Matt and Jordan, for joining me tonight. No problem, cheers. Thanks. And until then, we will uh, speak to you guys next time. Thank you very much.